Hello there. Welcome to my show, Why Would You Say That?, where I talk politics, conspiracies, and other fun or disturbing topics depending on your view. It is important to remember that although I intend to only provide the truth, some information provided here may be false due to personal opinion or faulty information. Remember, you may learn things here, but it is always important to form your own opinion as well as do your own research. Do not just take my words for granted. So welcome to episode 9. Today, uh, it's a discussion between me and Cody, the host of Being Beside Oneself. He's not with me this second because uh, this is being recorded after the fact. I just have to get in here and tell you a couple things. This is kind of like a free-flow episode, but a little different as our main topic here is bipartisanship, and although we stray from the topic, it always loops back. We also discuss the power structure, specifically with law enforcement. Now, with this episode, there was heavy technical problems. Um, Microphones were cutting in and out, a lot of shit. So I did my best to clean it up. It's going to be a little choppy in some parts. Uh, There's going to be some parts of the conversation where it sounds like it shouldn't uh, go from point A to point B like that. That's probably where it was cut because of technical problems. I did my best to edit all that out and make a coherent show for you today. Um, it's going to be especially prevalent in about the first five minutes of our talk. There's a, a part where I thank him for coming on the show. He said, of course, you know, anytime, uh, happy to be here, all that fun, typical shit. However, that didn't make it because of such heavy technical problems. So it basically jumped straight from me saying thanks for being on my little show today, straight into him discussing how... Uh, we have differing opinions, and he jumps straight into the topic of bipartisanship. So even though that's not announced, when he just jumps into that, that's what he's talking about. So if you can make it past the first five minutes or so, the rest of it gets much better. And overall, we had a very interesting conversation, and barring any technical problems, audio issues, which I'm very sorry about, I think that this episode turned out pretty good. So without further ado, here it is. Episode number nine, Bipartisanship and the Power Structure of America. Go ahead, uh, listen. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Welcome to Why Would You Say That? Today we have Cody from Being Beside Oneself. Uh, that's his podcast. Would you care to tell us anything about your podcast before we jump into the topic today? Actually, uh, it's not much of one so far, but... um. It's just a place where I'm trying to constructively speak to the public, and it kind of just ends up being whatever I feel at the moment until I find a structure and a feeling that works for me. All right, so you said it's not <clears throat> not so much of a podcast yet, but do you have big plans for moving on in the future? Um, I have plans for um, definitely carrying it for at least the rest of this year. So, so far, I've found that a month um, – like a monthly episodes or kind of where I'm going and I'm, you know, learning about how I'm wanting to do it as I go along. So more than likely I'll just, um, I'll end up having a short first season and have something probably completely different, but along the same lines of what I'm trying to talk about as, you know, further season. Yeah. I like the way that sounds. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where it goes. I was listening to a little, bits of the two that you had up already um it's definitely sounds like something i'm gonna be interested in listening to when you uh come out with more so i am looking forward to that i'm uh also very appreciative that you would take the time to come on my little show today and uh talk with me 
that, um, or actually you had mentioned that uh, you had noticed that it would be interesting to have us talk because we have slightly differing opinions. So um, the, the opinion I'm sharing is that first, the, the fact that it's used the way it is, is definitely a scam. But there was indeed a use for them at some point. And it's not that they were started for any reasons other than why you would start anything. It's to gain a majority. Um, I actually have a couple of notes down, but I don't even see them as being very important. One of the parties got started simply because someone saw use of it. If we advertise ourselves as a group, then people can join it. People can say that they're a part of it. You know, and for anybody making a group and trying to amass power in the, in the idea of people, then that's how they do it. They get them to group up together and get them to group up under a name. And so that made it powerful in the first place. But how it evolved was almost, almost has nothing to do with what it is today because I, I don't think if you asked anyone to research it, anyone would be able to give you a definitive time to when it was starting to be abused like it is now. Because everybody at some point is going to say the government was working against them. And sometimes it is. But in the way it's being used now, they're, I mean, they're almost as bad as some commercials, if that makes any sense. They're trying to sell you this so hard that it doesn't even matter if they're right. It doesn't matter if what they're saying is going to happen. You know, they're, they're simply, they're trying to sell you a product. And that's not what I need for my government. I, I definitely agree. I know at one point there used to be more than two major parties, but at some point we just kind of moved towards the Democrat and Republican side of things. And as far as I see that, I think that's a scam because true time, you can see that the Democrats and the Republicans both flipped their opinions like about 70, 80 years ago, what would be considered a Democratic opinion now would be a Republican opinion and Republican opinion would be Democratic opinion. It's like they swapped. And really, you just see politicians using the parties as just a label that doesn't even necessarily go along with what they personally believe. They're just using it. Like you said, it's like pushing a product. They say we have the country split into these two regions. So I'm going to hop on side A, which would be Democrat. And I'm going to push myself as a Democrat to get Democratic voters. But half the time, they aren't even fucking Democrats. And that seems to be that seems to be an issue even with our current one, which, to be honest, is a topic that I don't even plan on touching because it just it it's just downhill no matter what you're trying to say about it. But That's even true. our even our current one said something along the lines of I'm going to I'm going to become this party because they don't care what I tell them. They're going to vote for me anyway. And it, it, he was he was right. He did that. I mean, like, it's not, <laughs> it's not like he didn't, but the, the thing is, is that it proves it ever so much that all they're trying to do is sell the name at this point. People have attached themselves to it so much because of just simply how they were taught about it. They, they were taught as if it had the importance that it just doesn't. I mean, like when it comes down to who's getting elected, I've more times than not seen that the votes and who actually got voted in are usually incorrect. Like they don't, they don't often coincide with one another um, unless it really just was a landslide. 
and that that doesn't happen that often. <clears throat> no, it's it's always really close, and then you can see the people behind the scenes fucking with things to make things turn out the way that they wanted them to. I think Trump was a mistake, uh, you know, not providing support or saying that I don't like him. But I mean, in general, as far as the conspiracy side of the government goes, I don't think they wanted him in there. I think they wanted Hillary. And I think things just did not go the way they wanted it to. And that's why they're pushing so hard to get him out is because they're terrified of him. Well, I think if they were trying to get him out, they would have done it a lot sooner. That's what actually has me differing on, on that opinion is that I, when that, when that voting finally came up, when, when people were really starting to get down to the nitty gritty of either your plain old sticking to your guns or you're doing some serious research. When it came down to right before election times, that's how most people were. And then there was the quite a large portion that just said, nah, I'm not, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> I mean, like it literally went to the, I'm straight up not voting for anyone because being a part of this is, is just not even something I want in my life. And I, I all get, I'll get back to that in a minute. Why? Like I, I admit to being a problem in this system, but not really knowing how to make myself not a problem. <laughs> I, I told, I totally don't vote. I really don't. Like, I think I may have voted on accident once, you know, I mean, I'm that's, 24. That's I'm, interesting. I, I, I do have a question about that. Oh, go ahead. How, how do you vote on accident? Um, it was more of a, I didn't exactly know that that's what we were going to do. And by the time it, by the time I was already there, we had already verified that I was able to. And I swear it was, it was set up as if it wasn't voting. And I think it was like local, not, um, not presidential. Um, but it definitely, I think it was like a, like state, like governor or something like that. Oh, all right. Yeah. I definitely get you. Uh, I did vote, um, for the, in the last election and really, uh, hindsight 2020, I think they're both fucking terrible. The thing is back, uh, just just four years ago in 2016 when this whole election was going on i didn't know half the shit i know now and uh i can tell you i'm not gonna be voting again anytime soon because now i can see that both sides of the field they're both fucking crooked they're not i don't want any of them in so i might as well just sit here and let whoever gets in get in because i don't trust any of them well it's it's starting to actually seem like it's more important to vote stately instead of nationally um like I've I've seen this pointed out by very few people, but when they point it out, they're usually very serious about it. And it's the idea that some of our states are as big as some people's countries. And I mean, like that's not you know uh, you know across the board kind of thing, but there are lots of countries that are smaller than some of our states. And to say that we have one government that is ruling so tightly over it is a bit far-fetched because like there are places where certain laws get in the way of weather if that makes any sense they're like they're not allowed to do certain things simply because there's laws that prohibit them from doing it stuff like um like uh vehicle restrictions there are just areas where it would be way better if they could just put um tank tracks on the back of their trucks because then a very important trucks could get where they needed to go but they don't allow that kind of thing 
and they don't allow uh, a budget increase that would allow them to do anything else. So they're literally forced to suffer under the law instead of what sounds like a very simple change. I mean, I, I keep seeing, you know, oh, Senate's doing this and it's doing that. But, you know, us making brand new laws is, to me, not nearly as important as it is for us to fix some of the old ones. I mean, I don't quote any particular piece of this, but when I was told this, I think it was like maybe three years ago, um, apparently there's a law in Virginia that says that you are allowed to beat your wife on the courthouse steps at a particular time of day. And that they, they've told me it's in law and they showed me at least what looked like documents that said it. And they weren't paper, of course, but it, it's described as law would be described. And I mean, they weren't the only people who told me, I mean, people that didn't know each other, you know, confirmed this for me. Like, yeah, that's a thing. Like we're allowed to do that. Like no one does. I mean, they usually just get them for assault or something that happened before or after. Like they still go to jail for doing what they did. But if they went to the law, simply what the law said, according to them, you were allowed to do that. Yeah. And that's, that's something I hear. Um, I'm not sure the exact mechanics of it, but as far as laws go from, from how I understand, there's a lot of laws kind of like that that are old, outdated, and frankly, some of them don't even make any fucking sense. There's some state, town, something I saw years and years ago has a law where you can't put ice cream in your back pocket if you're wearing jeans. Like, some of this shit just makes no fucking sense. And from what I've heard, not that I understand the exact mechanics of it, but apparently it's a lot easier to pass a new law than it is to go take out an old law. So half the time, for example, if you're allowed to beat your wife on the courthouse steps, instead of taking that law away, they'll leave it and they'll put a new law that says you can't beat your wife, period. So then if you're technically abiding the law by beating your wife on the courthouse steps, you're still breaking another because you're beating your wife. Like that's, that's the way I understand it. Not that that (laughs) makes a whole lot of sense. Anyways. That sounds like an excuse that says that the government's not really in control of itself. And if they aren't, then that's something that I hate to sound stereotypical or cliche, but we, the people are supposed to have the power to change. And they're, they're not making it um, easy for us to do that. And in a way uh, I hate how that sounds, but it, it'll, it'll make a little more sense we don't have all the time in the world to show up at courthouses every time they talk about a law. I mean, like, I just don't know anybody that does. I mean, I work, you know, 12 and 14 hour shifts three or four days out of the week. And the other days I have to do, you know, what other people do, you know, stuff to support their life. So exactly. I can't like head up, you know, what would seem like every week or two to the, the, the local, like, what, two different local um, courthouses, and then watch and mail in to, you know, the national ones. I mean, like, I can't, I, don't, I literally can't afford the time to do those things. And, I mean, if I did, did I want to be, like, be able to change stuff or at least, like, be heard for something? Sure. And, I mean, I, I think that's kind of what we do in media a little more than, you know, anything else. But definitely want to be heard. But, 
you know, my time is, is actually, you know, being wasted with some of these things. And a lot of the things that they're going to have us go and read are not made for us to be able to read. I mean, like think about the difference between a lawyer and a cop. A lawyer can defend you against a cop, but the cop is technically the one that said you broke a law. Well, the cop doesn't know the law just as well as the lawyer does. Then what's he doing out here arresting people? I mean, like in the first place, like that just doesn't sound like a, like a thing. That That's a fair point. Like, well, and, and it's just a, it's, it's fair because I don't think they should be put in that situation. Like, I don't want to be told, go arrest this guy. Like for what? Like, what did he do? Like always well, being aggressive. Be like, did y'all find out why? Like, did- <laughs> probably a differing opinion. Uh, as far as cops go, uh, I don't know how to put this. Okay, well, I drive a truck for a living, and uh, that's I like that job. That's why I signed up for it. I like driving. But there's people who would look at that and say, I don't want to drive something that's huge through small streets. It's kind of like that with a cop. I would look at a cop's job and say, I don't want to do that. But I, I think personally, I feel that the opera, the uh, <clears throat> the career of being a police officer seems to attract a certain type of person who has a hunger for power. Like they're on a fucking power trip. That's why you see a lot of these cops that are arresting people or trying to arrest people just for like taking pictures of them or something. And well, I mean, not saying that those people aren't being antagonistic, but you know. That's just as often for other job avenues. I mean, that's just the same as having a boss that would act the same way. And I, I definitely get the correlation as far as like the, the power hungry people go to jobs that give them power. But if, if I, like, even if I wanted power, if when I used it, I got reamed, like some of the people do get reamed for doing something that I'm sure wasn't just their idea in the first place. I mean, like nobody, nobody went and was like, look, let me definitely break a whole law and arrest someone who doesn't need to be arrested unless there was something else in it, unless they were alone and capable of taking that advantage. But I've seen it happen. And I mean, we've all seen it happen either by news or by sharing it on Facebook, but it's not like they're doing it alone. It's not like it's just this one or two people, you know, that ended up doing something because they thought they could get away with it. Like they're doing it like six or seven deep. They're like I've seen three squad cars of all corrupt people. And yeah, they're cops, but like, I want to start with people. They're, they're still just people that got, you know, corrupt in that way. And whether it was their fault or someone else's kind of doesn't matter. They're, they're there and they have the power. And yet I still can't even verify that they know all the laws. Well, that's, that's actually the, that's really an interesting the tie. Like, Back back to the political side of things, that's an interesting tie because, like you said, they're just people. But certain positions of power tend to corrupt, like you said, and it's the same with politicians and police officers, except with police officers, there's good police officers. With politicians, you can bet uh, basically your whole paycheck that all of them are corrupted in some way. It's the language. And actually, like, um, it, it's, a really, it's a really strange language. Um, I was told that it would be expensive if I tried to buy it, but I've seen a couple of digital copies, which are very hard to get a hold of. It's called the Black Law Dictionary, and it is one of the books, one of the law dictionaries that they study in law school. And I mean, it's 
it's a whole nother language. I mean, first off, a good bit of our language has been taken from a lot of places. <clears throat> but as far as law is concerned, I, a good majority of it, I would, I would personally say like 70 to 80%, if not more, um, is plain old Latin. I mean, like very directly pulled from Latin. And those words just don't mean the same things that we would think they would based on what our words mean now. And it's, it's just a whole nother language. Being able to tell someone that they have a, a mortgage, like if you broke those words down, it means dead debt. <laughs> if you broke those words down for a translation, that's what it means. And so a mortgage sounds pretty cool, you know? I mean, they, they've painted a cool picture behind what the word's supposed to, you know, give you. But that's what the word means. I mean, there's um fuck was it there's this there's this guy not that i'm gonna remember his name his first name is jordan i can't remember his last name i i heard him on a podcast doing an interview he was doing exactly what you're talking about where he took a lot of the words that we just look at as regular shit and he was breaking down the meanings and the origins but his whole thing was that the united states is not a country as much as it is a corporation and that every citizen is basically an employee of the corporation, and it was, it was some pretty fucking mind-blowing shit. Well, I've actually got two points on that one. Um, the, so there is North America, and then there is our country, which is America, and the United States of America is a, is a corporation. I mean, that's, that's, how it, that's how it operates, whether or not they want to call it that. That's exactly how it operates. On the other hand, um, while Obama was in office, there were lots of things coming out. Not that he said any of them, but we are we are referenced as chattel. And I mean, like this, this has also been brought up. And I mean, I listen to mostly rap, so that's all I've got to reference from. But I mean, I've heard quite a few different rap songs that are actually a lot older than you would think, where we are we are being referenced as chattel, and it it's it's collateral. It's literally because we owe money, right? Our, our country itself owes money. And so to tell these other countries to, hey, hold on, you know, don't own us quite yet. Um, we're going to promise you the money of the people who are going to be born here. Not even just the ones that are here already. Not the money they're going to work for for the rest of their lives, but we're talking about them and their kids and their kids and their kids. And does that have something to do with the serial number cor uh, correlation between the serial number that's on the back of your social security card and the serial number that you'll find on any legal tender? I mean, your that serial number definitely has uh, that correlation, but um, it's also your your literal social security number. I mean, it's worth an amount of money. Um, if you were to if you were to attempt to become a sovereign citizen you could force them to buy that back from you. Yeah, but and it's worth a lot. They're going to try to fuck you up. I mean, if you try to become a sovereign citizen, I think they're just going to try to fuck you up. I mean, I'd assume that there would be some violence at some point, but I, uh, I know one person who has gone through that process and has maintained safety. Uh, he was really, really careful about it. And he, he just, stuck to his paperwork and his paperwork has got him running around the U S like a free man. 
and he goes to work and he doesn't pay taxes because he's not required. He, he pays sales tax because it's really just more of a pain for everyone. You know, if he was to bring his paperwork everywhere for that, but technically he could go into a store and say, here's this voucher that says that I bought something here and I didn't pay my taxes because I don't have to basically a, so you don't get in trouble kind of thing. So that sounds fucking awesome. I think that's the good side of becoming a sovereign citizen. Are you familiar with the Ruby Ridge incident? Um, I'm not, but uh, the, the good side is actually also a bad side. If you don't pay taxes, you're not allowed to use public, um, public stuff. I mean, technically, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be allowed on... Um, I'm trying to remember the differences. You're allowed on interstates but you're not allowed on um, there's an in-between it's not necessarily a highway, but it's also not like local roadage. Is it state routes, uh, United States routes? Oh yeah, but those uh, would be inter, those would be interstates. They might well, just very well be interstates. The U S routes are technically interstates, but state routes are just localized but they're owned by the state that you live in. And I believe your tax money does go to maintain those. So that might be what you're referring to. Well, your tax money goes federally also, but yeah, it would no it, tax it, money goes federal state city. It fucking goes everywhere. Well, there's a, another point in, um, in his process that he found, um, you aren't required to have a license unless you're driving for money. Like if you're simply traveling, then all you have to do is have a lower class vehicle. And like that doesn't mean less expensive. It just means smaller runs on less gas. Um, and they literally aren't allowed to say anything to you. There's a, yeah. a horse and carriage law from like forever ago that says that you're allowed to roam on your own vehicle. I mean, in layman's terms, but you're allowed to roam wherever you like in your own vehicle. Yeah, and uh, the the guy Jordan, uh, whatever his last name is, because I'm horrible with names, as I told you earlier. Uh, exactly what you just said is something he was talking about when he said the United States of America is a corporation. He was saying that the word license uh, under maritime law it it basically designates that something's being used for business or financial purposes, which is why there's driver's licenses, but even mm -hmm. marriage licenses. He he had brought up the fact that marriage is basically just a business agreement. Well, and it's, um, it, it's because it ties into taxes. That's really one of the reasons why it has that pull. Um, if, if you didn't care about how your taxes were affected and as technically, as long as they didn't like pry into your life, you could indeed get married and not have any paperwork on it. I mean, even if you're religious, there's nothing in, as far as I can tell, any religious book that requires you to make a document. I mean, by all means, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, and I've, I've heard your disclaimer, go ahead and jump up my ass. I don't think that there's a religious text anywhere that says that you're supposed to write up a document to say that y'all are married. That's true. And I honestly couldn't say either because I'm not religious. And that is the entire point of the disclaimer. Like you said, it's just, I and whenever I have guests on, I always encourage people to attack me rather than them.
that's the whole point I'm here. I'm just here to say stuff and get attacked because I think that's my oh. whole point on this planet. No, no, no. We're we're good. It's just a matter of I I know that marriage is useful for two things. It is useful useful for religion and it is useful for royalty. And the only reason it is useful for royalty is tracking money, which is, you know, in a very watered down sense, uh, exactly what's going on now. They're, you know, charging you for it. Yeah, it's true. They're doing a lot of crazy shit. I think a lot of very basic things that happen in today's society, such as marriage or things that we just take for granted is this is just basic. This is what happens in life. A lot of it's really been corrupted just for the point of money. It is something that has been called the the root of all evil. It's uh, it's made its point. That saying has made its point many times. Now, I'm not afraid of a currency. You know, I don't I don't think that you know a currency all by itself makes people greedy. But what does is being able to print money all the time. I, I think that the haphazard continuous printing of money is, uh, I, I guess, kind of wasteful. Um, there are plenty of other countries that make their money out of like much tougher materials and they end up being worth, you know, just the fabrics themselves being worth a little bit. Now, obviously they're worth more as money, but they, they take better care of them. And I'll I'll tell you I I don't remember the last time I ripped a dollar. Just saying, so they're they're pretty resilient. But being able to print them off and doing it so frequently, because I mean, I I've heard of at least three different instances where you know the U.S. government pumped out a lot, like an unreasonable amount of money just just to print it, just to put it in circulation, and it it didn't make our money worth anymore. It actually made our money worth less. I mean, the less. Yeah, well, that's the Federal Reserve in general. The Federal Reserve is fucking dangerous, in my opinion, because they're called the Federal Reserve, so everybody thinks it's a federal thing, but they're not. They're not even a government institution. They're completely privately owned, and they yep. have the, our government and the citizens by the fucking balls. We can't do anything because they, they just have a complete monopoly on our way of life. Our money is considered legal tender. I believe that. I believe that notation on it is this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. Yep, it's crazy shit. Who do you are you familiar with? Who uh, started the Federal Reserve? Um, I want to be horribly wrong. Maybe uh, Jefferson. No. Probably not, to uh, be honest. Well, <laughs> as far as <laughs> my, my terrible conspiracy side of things, I, I believe it was one of the Rockefellers. And uh, you can actually, now this part I do know, you can trace the um, establishment of the Federal Reserve back to the sinking of the Titanic. Which okay. is just wild. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but there's a theory out there and it's actually one i believe myself being a crazy conspiracy theorist but it, it's pretty fucking crazy is that the titanic was sank on purpose so that they could create the federal reserve right um i i can see the correlation because it would uh it would be a really good distraction that's for sure 
Well, beyond being a really good distraction, um, the Rockefeller that uh, – I'll just say J.D. Rockefeller. I have no idea uh, with the names. I'm horrible with names. I know the whole concept behind this was that the owner of the Titanic was the one that wanted to start the Federal Reserve. And there was a committee of about seven people, something along those lines, and they were all voting on the Federal Reserve. There was three of them, I believe, that said no to it but they needed a unanimous vote. So he brought the whole committee out on the Titanic and he owned the Titanic and he was bringing the whole committee out on the maiden voyage of the Titanic. But then all the people who had said yes to the federal reserve for one reason or another, just happened to miss the ship. And the three that said, no, we're on it when it went down. And right after it went down with all the nose out of the picture, they started the federal reserve. Very convenient timing. Exactly. I got to tell you, some of these plans, um, and I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure, because uh, I listened to at least some pieces of what you got in your cast already, um, I, I'm sure you get that some of these things, some of these ideas are complicated, of course, but not so complicated to think that someone with money and the ability to make some of these things happen, it, it doesn't mean they didn't think of them. And actually do them. Exactly. There, there are a few things. Uh, I was, I, I can't even tell you what show it was. Um, but there was a show I was watching that was describing rich people are just different. And I, I kind of disagreed with it when, it when it first said it. And then I saw an example of what kind of money they were talking about. And it really is the buy your country kind of money. It's, it's the, you know, save you from, you know, nuclear fallout by building you a bunch of bunkers kind of money. And like when that really started to sink in, I was like, well, you know, if I could just buy out Elon Musk's, you know, whole company, you know, and just hire him for the rest of his life. Like, I don't know. It doesn't sound like that bad of an idea to someone who has that much money. <laughs> it's, it's true. If you have, there is a certain point where you would have so much money that, Basically, nobody can tell you no for anything. And if somebody does tell you no, basically any crazy idea that you can think of to make the yes happen, you can do it. Like if that involves sinking an entire ship with hundreds and hundreds of people on it and they all die just to get your yes. I'm not saying that's completely out of the picture from happening because a lot of these people with so much money, they're fucking spoiled. They don't want to hear the word no. Well, and they, you you see the you see that same thing said for um, philanthropists. Like, while some of them have you know good reasons or at least good uh, showy reasons why they're doing something, they can get away with some really horrible stuff. I mean, something as simple as yeah, let's do you know this was actually if you, if you don't mind me um, you know referencing a show. Go go for it. <clears throat> Um, I was, you know, watching Archer. I think it was the one of the first couple of seasons, and they had he was, you know, oh yeah, I built this, you know, huge underground lab so that this particular scientist could do his thing, and so that I could eventually profit off of it. And you know, while he was funding it, and not really the, you know, the idea maker of it, they're like a dude whole was making weapons down there. And got away with it because this guy doesn't care about his checkbook. You know, and like that's the, the kind of danger that comes from literally that kind of money. Like whether you're thinking about doing it or not, you made it possible. Like well, you made yeah. it. 
it's true. That's that's completely true with that amount of money, like you're saying, which is part of why I think politicians are getting dangerous because with certain positions in office that don't have any term limits and they can just collect all that kind of money and the people who have this crazy money, be it oil companies or fast food companies, tobacco companies, any of these crazy companies, they can pump ungodly amounts of money into any said politician to get them to vote a certain way. And they have infinite money. They can give so much fucking money to this politician that this politician will say anything for them. So our complete, like our entire political system is bought and sold and it's no longer functioning to serve the people. It's serving the United States dollar. Well, and I can actually give you, give you one step further into that. It makes it way less of a two party system at that point. Like it's just that on the top, the, what ends up happening is just kind of who they want to be there. Of course, they're going to let you vote, get your top 20 up there, but those top 20 are guaranteed to have funding. Like they didn't like the people that really do make it to the top. They didn't do the walking down the streets, go to get funding. And I mean, as much as I would like some of those people to get up there and be able to win, um, they just don't get it. They don't, they're not seen by enough people. And so the people who have the money or, you know, are being lobbied, which is the term for it, um, when, they're, when they're being lobbied, that's how they get up there. If I get seen, I mean, just like you said, hearing, um, hearing the same sound makes you more comfortable after hearing it a bunch of times. Like, I've heard it. All right. I was scared the first time and it gets less scary. And now it's, a, it's comfortable. If anything puts me at ease. And the same can go for faces. Like, I've seen this guy everywhere. You know, now he, now he's growing on me. I, I know his little sayings. You know, I, I, I see the little commercial with him, you know, shaking hands with the little girl that, you know, wanted a, a donation for whatever. And he gave it, you know, and they made something for him. But the guy that walked up and down the streets, you know, asking people to vote for him and, you know, got pretty far for someone who started out that way. Uh, he's not going to make it up there. And it's because of how the system works. Yeah, exactly. You, I mean, you get people like, Andrew Yang, who I, I wasn't a big fan because I, I think if you're going to be the president, you kind of need to have more than just one policy that you're focusing on. But I don't think that he was corrupted. I think he was doing what you're saying. He was trying to run because he, he wanted to make a difference. He thought he could do good. And as you see, he didn't end up making it and he has suspended his campaign. And then you got people like fucking Michael Bloomberg who has infinite money, money blows out his ass every time he fucking sneezes, and he's buying his way to the presidency. I hope it doesn't work, and I don't think it will work, but, like, he's just, he's pissing money. What, he spent $400 million on just, like, uh, social network marketing? Like, he's paying uh, companies to make memes about him so that the younger generation will be like, oh, he's in memes, he's a funny guy, let's vote him president. Well, and the, what's, what's sad about that is that that's almost working. That, that kind of mentality is actually, is actually working. It's the, the being relatable instead of being practical. Like I had, there were, um, I mean, just in past elections seeing people, there are people that have totally had ideas that I didn't really like. And I was like, but these other ideas are going to fix a lot of the other things that I don't like, you know, like, uh, I mean, just something simple, like, um, I saw an ad talking about, I don't think it was Sweden, um, Finland, it was Finland, 
apparently you require a master's degree to teach in any grade. That sounds awesome. That, that sounds sound great. Like a good idea, yeah. I mean, telling the smartest of us and master's degree people of all people, um, telling the smartest of us to handpick and groom our kids into being those kind of adults is a good thing. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a loving, caring teacher that simply knows what she's supposed to know, but they don't, they don't get the support they need to be able to do that kind of thing. Like you can't just be nice and loving and, you know, help this kid be, you know, anything they want to be. Now it's a, it's an uphill battle for them as, as teachers right now. And that's just a, we don't want to pay more taxes. Like, I don't know if you want more dumb kids (laughs) or more actually, or kids that went through what I went through. And it was the, you know, I simply learned different. Like ADHD, that's not so much a disability as people say. Yeah, there's an attention issue, but nurtured the right way. These people are a good majority of the time extremely smart. I mean, just off rip. And I mean, like, I'm not even talking about myself at this point, but it's just a, I've, I've met some of those people that were able to get to what they need to get to a lot sooner. And it was very simply a taught different. Like they learned faster, a majority of them. Like one of my friends, he got, um, he didn't even get put on meds. He, he got a therapist that identified what he needed. And then they found him a private teacher. And he only needed that private teacher through elementary school. And after that, he was good. He functioned with everybody else. But he also, you know, graduated, what, like three years early? Damn. It's, it's our whole education, um, education system really just in general is is pretty broken with uh as far as how the taxes function for education so if you go to a rich area you're gonna have a much better school than if you go to the inner city which in my one of my episodes can't remember even which one it is now i discussed how i think the that that is basically just because if you have an underfunded school in the inner city those people aren't going to get an education and they're less likely to ever leave the ghetto so it's basically just generational into the ghetto feeding into the system. But it's it's kind of the same thing with college, too, because nowadays our our education system for kids pushes college. And I don't think college is a bad thing, but they basically tell you if you don't go to college, you're a fucking idiot and you're a waste of life pretty much. So you have to go to college to be anything in this world. And that makes so many kids go to college and they don't even know what they want to do. They're just going to college because they've been told they need to. And then they end up with infinite debt that's going to follow them for the rest of their fucking life. And they can't even get a job in the field that they went to college for because they never wanted to do that in the first place. They just did it because they were told they had to. Well, and in a few of a few of your points you mentioned, um, I see a, a large one, which is simply morale. I mean, telling me I have to do this or I'll never be anything like, especially as kids, kids are emotional. You know, like, whether a kid will blow it off and just like consider you not even so much as an enemy, just unimportant to listen to or taking it to heart and like being, I mean, more, once again, just morally destroyed about it. Like, Oh, I'll never be anything. Cause I'll never get to college because you know, Timmy said, blah, blah, blah about college, not being cool. And I'm never going to go there, you know, or it would simply be a fine. Fuck you. I'm not, I'm not going to college then. 
Like, I don't want to be anything. I just want to be me. I'm going to be a kid. That cool? That cool with you <laughs> kind of exactly. kind of situation? Yeah, and <laughs> I'm, I'm one of three kids, so I have a brother and a sister. And that's something <clears> I grasped <throat> early on because I said, but I don't know what I want to do with my life. And my parents and the school system, they were all telling me, well, you got to go straight to college. That's what you got to do. I'm like, but I don't know what I want to do. And I don't want to get a bunch of debt if I'm not sure what I want to do. And my brother, <laughs> he had the same mindset, so he didn't go to college. My sister went to college, and it didn't exactly work out for her because she never finished her degree. And now she has crippling debt that I'm not sure she'll ever actually be able to physically take care of. And that's the case with a lot of people in this country. There's cases where you see an elderly woman, and she says, I was 80000 in student debt, and I paid 85000 to date. And I still have 90000 left to go because the interest stacks faster than you can pay it. So by the time you've paid off your original debt, it's still there. Mm-hmm. The whole thing, too. <clears throat> I've seen that happen a, uh, a few times. Um, not, not so often with people my age because it seems that, I don't know, people got screwed, you know, just, just before my generation. Um, like, like my mom, she went to go to, um, I think it was just like a a nursing school. And the first one that she went to was just trash. It was just plain old trash. It didn't, it didn't teach her as much as they said it was going to teach her. And when she went to go continue that somewhere else, it just wasn't accepted. They just didn't care that she had already gone to learn these things. And it wasn't a matter of testing. It was a matter of, well, you know, the paperwork doesn't transfer. Like, well, what happens when I know the stuff? You're going to charge me more money to learn the stuff that I already know. And it's just an unfair system in that, in that way. And that's just, that's privatization, which is, I guess, fine. Cause I don't, I don't completely want to say that I like want a huge government, but we've got to pick one. This is like really and truly, if we're talking about government size, we have to pick one. We have to pick either so big that we don't have to worry about stuff and or we're so involved in our own government that it doesn't matter that it's big. Or a such a small and restricted government that it only takes care of roads, weather issues, and the military. I mean, like, we got to pick one. Either we tell them what they were supposed to do in the first place, which is roads and keep our borders safe. Um, or we need to accept that having a big government isn't bad as long as we do it properly. I mean, like if the government was in charge of, you know, analyzing what kind of teaching we need to do and then also in charge of actually teaching us, I don't really think there would be much of a disconnect. I mean, like if we were as involved as we would like to be, in our own government, that wouldn't be a bad thing, you know? Yeah, and like you said with privatization, if if we had a smaller government and a lot of things that are controlled by the government right now became private, uh, that, that can still be a problem. There definitely also needs to be regulations in place to make sure that runs correctly because um, I don't know if you're really familiar with the whole prison industrial complex that we have in America right now, but I just I released an episode on that. So, you know, that privatized prisons are completely destroying our fucking country. 
we hold people up and then we uh, leave them with debt about it. Uh, you're literally charged for being in jail and that money is taken from federal and state. I'm not sure how many counties are... Uh, like they, they still get government money is what I'm saying. They, they get government money and they make money off of us. Yeah, and they have, uh, they have laws where the local jurisdiction in which the prison is located... Uh, the prison's a business, and the same way that the government bailed out banks when they failed because they're too big to fail, the government kind of has to bail out these prisons. So they have contracts with the local jurisdictions that say you have to provide us with X amount of inmates for X amount of time. And if they don't meet those quotas, the government or the local jurisdiction owes the private prison a fuck ton of money to keep them yep. running because it's a fee. So what happens is when there's crunch time, is the government either A, going to pay the fee, or B, do some crooked shit and just start arresting people for having weird hair or some crazy shit. They're going to do the crooked shit. They're just going to go out and arrest people for everything and just throw them in prison. Ends up being the case a lot. Uh, and I've definitely, I've definitely seen the privatized prison stuff uh, comparing what kind of money is actually needed for either one. The system we have now, there's nothing that warrants that because, you know, people can have their third offense with the three strikes law be that they had a joint and they can go to prison for 20 years over just having a joint. And what's bad about it is that now we're paying money to release people because they shouldn't have been locked up in the first place, at least not to such a severity. Well, it's become such a, a big business that in order for us to completely uh, overtake and rehaul the prison system like what needs to be done, it's going to be a pretty big hit on the economy because it's going to basically half of the inmates should probably be released. I, would, I don't know the exact numbers, but I would say it's probably about half of the people that are in there don't really need to be in there. So, you know, it, it would take down like half the prisons if you let out half the population and with the money that they bring in, which is millions to billions of dollars a year. As far as a business is run, that would be a big hit if you just closed down half the prisons out of nowhere. And definitely be a, a huge cut in their river of money that comes from that. I mean, hell, they uh, they make money from uh, simple stuff like um, literally making the inmates work while they, they give them, I think, like half or like maybe even a third of an hourly wage for it. They sell stuff like um, license plates, pillows, blankets, stuff like that. Anything that they think would be relatively easy to make them do, uh, they can also sell that kind of stuff. And they usually sell it to the state or to the government. Yeah, exactly. And it, it really everything that we've discussed all ties back to crooked politicians who let this happen in the first place. And it's all money and power. And it really does all tie in with a bipartisan system, because really, like like you said, either candidate, they're already vetted. And if they made it far enough to actually get elected, clearly it's OK if they get in. So it it's. Whether you vote Democrat or Republican, it's basically the same evil, just a different name. Well, there's one thing that I that I did um, 
I got, I got actually, I, I have to say like taught about this. Um, I went to go speak with someone who, I don't know, that gave me a hard time about, about not voting. And um, one of the, one of the things that, that he pointed out was that some of our issue is first off people that don't, don't vote. You know, if, if you have an argument and you don't vote, then what you're saying is that your, your argument's not important enough to you. Um, no matter how much effort that that requires, you know, like whatever it is you're trying to change, you could probably find where your vote needs to go for it, if that makes sense. Um, and while I don't necessarily agree with the ease of that, I do see, you know, a point of it, it being exactly what you should do. Um, the other issue is that... <clears throat> Wow, I lost my train of thought on that for a moment. <clears throat> it's definitely all right. I, I do have a question relating to that. So you're saying that if you if you have an argument and you believe, uh, for a random example, that everybody should have their guns taken, that you should be able to find a candidate who will do that, right? More or less, you can well, find someone to fit your argument and vote for them. Is that basically uh, what you're saying? Yes. Um, but even more so what I'm saying is that they, they have, they have places where people are already asking for either something, something exactly like what you're asking for, or even the opposite. And both of those things give you the opportunity to vote with or against. So like, let's say that that was my, that was what I wanted, but we'll go, we'll, we'll go with more what I would want is for, you know, the amendment to just be accepted. Um, so let's, let's say I'm, I'm wanting to fight someone who is, you know, trying to, um, you know, get guns to be taken away. Then the only option I've really got is to go there and say it, put my vote in, you know, if I don't, if I don't end up like your vote is supposed to be your word. I mean, when, when it comes down to, Oh, well, you know, who's in support of this. If you say you're in support of it, but you don't have a vote in for it then so far as the government's concerned, you don't care about it. Does that make sense? It does, but now let, let me refer you to the 2016 election because as, as we know, you said you're 24, right? Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm 22. So just in, in both of our short lives, I think that the 2016 election was the biggest shit show of an election that uh, we've probably, either of us have ever seen. So in my personal opinion, and this doesn't reflect your opinion at all because it's just me being an asshole like always, but I think Trump and Hillary were both fucking horrible. I don't think Trump was qualified, and I'm not entirely sure he knew what he was doing. That said, he's not doing a terrible job. And Hillary is just fucking dangerous. She is the definition of what's wrong with the government. She's very deep involved with crooked shit, and she has gotten a lot of people killed over it. So if I think that they're both terrible... That would be my reason for not voting, because every time that I see a new election coming up, whether it be Trump versus Bernie or Trump versus Hillary or whoever it is, I see that they're both just fucking crooked and horrible people. And I don't want either of them in. So would you say that if I don't vote, I'm still part of the problem? Because, I mean, clearly I am because I'm not helping anybody get in and I'm not helping the system change. But how would you suggest going about that situation if you feel that they're both terrible terrible choices and you decide not to vote what would what would your option be on how to handle that 
Well, I've actually seen a couple of basically losing parties uh, mention it that, you know, he, he, he basically he made a shout out to all the people that had voted for him, but that he had seen that a lot more people follow him positively on social media. Be like, yeah, you, you check my Facebook. Yeah, you, you like all of my stuff on Twitter. You know, you, you follow these things. But if you, if you don't make your vote, then I can't get in. And a lot more people, and it was just, you know, an analytics thing. He was like, three times more people are considered to be positive viewers on my social medias and verified to be different people. Um, and, you know, I, I got three times more people there than I did in votes. And if I had gotten that many votes, I would have been a lot closer. Like, no, we're not talking about, you know, winning differences, but it's a matter of showing people that I actually, I, I had some support. Be like, my support was really there. Like when I go to run again, people are going to remember that there were this many people that actually did vote. No, like you're even that's a problem though. Um, well, like you're, you're raising the morale for the people. And I mean, like, I hate to go back to that over and over, but you're raising the morale of other people that would have voted or that did. You know, it might make someone else feel good to know that they were one of 300,000 people that voted, but they might not feel as good to be one of 100,000 people who voted, if that makes any sense. It does, but that's <clears throat> that. See, are, are you referring to third party candidates like the Green Party, Libertarian Party and so on and so forth? Is that really what you're talking about? I mean, I, I can't say that because remember when I started, I I'm, I'm not really a like party picker. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that I have a particular view that falls in with a party, but it's simply voting in the first place. If someone appeals to you and not just in a, Oh, they seem like a cool guy, but appeals to you as a legal representative and you're not voting for them, then you, someone, someone said it to me this way. If you're not voting, you shouldn't be arguing with anyone about it. If you wanted to argue, your time to argue was on your ballot. That's true. Now, but that's where I feel that the two-party system is a huge problem in our country because um, basically a lot of people don't vote because they feel that if they vote, their vote doesn't count and it doesn't matter. So that's, that's why a lot of people don't vote in the first place. For example, in the most recent election, Hillary versus Trump, a lot of people say they they wouldn't have they didn't go vote for trump even though they wanted him in because they're like oh hillary's a shoe-in even though she didn't make it in and there's people who didn't go vote for hillary because they said well my vote doesn't matter she's already gonna win so what what's one extra vote and i myself and my naivety four years ago i voted for a main candidate because i wanted a third party candidate but i i thought uh, that's just throwing my vote away because they'll never make it in. And that's what the problem with a bipartisan system is, is it gives you either heads or tails. You choose one of two options. And the third party candidates, if people think that voting for a Democrat or Republican is throwing their vote away, nobody's going to vote for a third party candidate. They don't even get the fucking time of day. They don't get any news exposure. They don't get debates on TV. They get none of the stuff that the main two parties get. So they their chance of making it and actually bringing it all the way is fucking nothing. And that's but, by design. But think about this. 
I get the design portion. I get that it's built that way, but really consider that you're another of so many people, also myself included, that think this way. And it's because we are all still thinking this way that it's actually happening. Like, look at this as a, self, a self-fulfilling a self prophecy. I'm going to go to the ballot and I'm going to say, before I get in there, you know, I'm going to say, hey, my vote doesn't matter. And because I think that I'm going to leave. And therefore, I plain old didn't get one because I, I thought it didn't matter. It doesn't even matter what anyone else thought. I put my own vote in the trash, you know, for the sake of I didn't feel like it was going to be good enough. And if, if me and you were thinking that, and I mean, I think well of myself, probably not so much for this fact, but I, I think well of myself, I think you would of yourself. And I, I think that there are a lot of people out there thinking the exact same thing. And if we continue thinking that way, then our votes will continue not to matter. I like the point you're making. So you're saying if, if, for example, uh, I don't know, let's just say there's one candidate that runs every single election over and over and over again for, for example, the Green Party, and you, uh, you very much uh, agree with them and you want them in. So you go out and you vote for them every election cycle, even though it doesn't matter per se. If but, that's who you want in there. Exactly. So, so every voting cycle, that person gets a little bit more and more support because people who think like us are seeing, oh, well, their votes are rising. Maybe my vote does matter. So you're saying, even if you feel your vote doesn't matter, if you go out and cast it, you could be part in changing the two-party system, even though they want it in place. It's the ant metaphor that I make all the time. One ant on your body, you kill it. A million ants, you can't do shit about it. So if we all got together and we voted, and realize that maybe our votes do matter, you're saying we really could change the system. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be toyed with at some point, because me and you both know that there are shadowy figures behind the curtains kind of thing, but it would be a lot harder for them to mess it up. I mean, they wouldn't just be picking out of two horrible people that they put there. They'd be picking between three, and it would be two horrible people they put there, and one what we would think is a wonderful person that we want there so bad. Fuck it. Have your president. We'll have him next year. Cause we know it's possible. Cause we know next year we're going to beat you by a landslide. You know, that kind of thing. If, if what we're fighting against, let's just say not to say independent against the other two, but just for sake of, you know, given a, given an idea of how this would work though, consider those two parties, one party. And consider whoever it is that you're wanting up there being your own party. I mean, like, let's just say we were, we were Bernie fans. Let's just go there. Like we're Bernie fans. Like if we don't have our own Bernie party going on, he's never going to be president. Like he just, he just isn't like it, it needs to be as serious as we would like to take our president in the first place. If you want him there, put him there. He or she, you know, uh, I'm bad with pronouns, so those are the only two I'm throwing out there. Of course, um, I do like what but, you're saying. I, I definitely like that. I think that we do have the power to change the system, so I think that something as simple as voting would be a good idea because that could change the system. At the same time, I'm also under the umbrella that I think the government's going to do what they want to do anyways, but we could try. The, the one thing that I see being a problem is that if... Uh, 
if you wanted to vote, a lot of people don't have time because we have jobs and we're doing our adult responsibilities, like you say. And, um, you know, if they made voting on voting day a national holiday where everybody's off work, I think that would make a big difference. But also what I think is ironic is as we're discussing this, I just got a news alert across the top of my phone that says Amy Klobuchar just uh, suspended her campaign to be president, which I think is ironic that we're talking about that. So, uh, yeah, you heard it here first. Right. There you go. About as early as it can be. But um, so there's the there's the time issue, which we we brought up earlier. Um, The time issue is something we actually can fix with votes. Um, it doesn't even take that many because it just needs to get the ball rolling. Like even at local, uh, at, uh, local voting places. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm so bad with our government system and hate it so much that I almost refuse to learn about it. Um, and I'm trying, this is part of my learning process. Um, we, we start by getting things back on an electronic system. We attempted it a little while back, and uh, they screwed with it so hard that everyone noticed. <laughs> That's what happened that time. So we went back to uh, trying to be as paper-friendly as possible. And so what we need to do is get more of this voting and more of these law changes becoming more available digital. And the, the reason why I think that really needs to happen is because of this time constraint that we're talking about. It's just as important to us as it is to them to have time. And it takes a lot less time for me to open a, a government application that says, these are the laws that we're working on today. And for me to cast my vote. Yeah, It'd be that. Sense. I it would mean, be a lot easier. And the thing is, is that I'm not, I, I've heard a lot of, you know, laziness thrown around and it's not so much a laziness thing. It's very simply a, I'll give you a perfect example of me. I work 12 and 14 hour shifts and it would just be a 12 or a 14 hour shift, but it's more like a 14 to 16 hour shift because I take the bus. So it takes me, let's just ballpark an hour to get ready for work, another hour to get to work and then 14 hours and then another two hours to get back to sleep. You know what I'm saying? An hour back and an hour to, you know, get ready for bed and go to sleep. Yeah. And that's, that's very typical. I mean, there's the majority of people, a lot of people have crazy schedules like that, that make it really hard for us to go out and participate. Like you said, and me being a truck driver, you know, I'm, I'm mobile, so I'm almost never home. And on top of that, like you said, I work 14 to 18 hour days, seven days a week. Like I, I usually get one day a week off, so it's six days. We have a four, uh, 70 hour clock in which we can drive and be on duty. But over that, you got to do paperwork and it's just it's a constant job. So like you're saying, also, when I used to not be a truck driver, I would take the bus as well. And that's an hour and a half, to two hour ride each way. Really, most people don't have the time to be doing this shit. Like and if you're going to vote and if you're taking the bus, Sometimes you got to ride 30, 40 minutes just to vote. And it, and it really will, uh, it really will eat your day up. None, nobody's job wants to hear, Oh, I'm going to vote as important as that's supposed to be. That's not what they're going to want to hear. Oh, I can't go to work tomorrow. Why is that? 
you know, because I got to go vote for this bill that I think will, you know, change our lives forever. And they're going to say, no, you have to work your shifts. <laughs> exactly. It's either coming or you're fired, which is why I think, honestly, we need to make election day just a national holiday that you get off because a lot of people will just take that day and be like, oh, cool, free day off. But there's a lot of people that will go out and vote that will drastically change the numbers. But maybe that's why they don't want to do it. As soon as I, as soon as that left my mouth, I realized that maybe that's why they don't want to make that a national holiday because they don't want the numbers to go up drastically because it's easier to control the less people that vote. And it's also really easy to know who's voting. God, sometimes like, I drop he- knowledge on myself and I don't even know it. <laughs> it really is crazy. I mean, don't you think? Like the whole just system. Uh, can we really fix it? Do you actually think that we can fix it as citizens? There are two ways that I think it fully possible. 100%. Um, there is storm the White House in a way that no one has ever thought of before. Um, really just an overpowering of force and or the military turns on them and they come in with us. Um, that's one. I don't think that's very likely, but it's, it's possible. It'll suck if it happens. Just saying. Um, the other way is continue to vote, continue to be a part of it and, or dismantle it. Be like if, Oh, I, um, I, I remembered my previous point, uh, that I lost in, you know, thought processes. Um, a lot of the really crazy stuff that our government is allowed to do, hand um there are a lot of things that and i mean i wish i had better you know uh, a better way of explaining this other than you know paraphrasing i don't have any specific examples but our our voting has gotten us in trouble whether it be from laziness or from you know a, a shysty politician there's something that's been happening recently which is the shysty politician part um It's when a bill has more than one change in it, um, a bill will, you know, cover, and I'm just throwing this out here, not an actual example. Um, A bill will cover something like uh, water usage, you know, city water usage, let's just call it that. And then at the bottom, it'll have some stipulation with the availability of firearms in a motor vehicle. And you can see how neither one of those are related, right? Yeah. Like we're I like I'm I'm it's not like I like kind of tied these together a little bit. Like maybe it's in the particular area where there's, you know, these kind of water mains or on the property of water treatment plants maybe, but there was no correlation. It was simply water usage and, you know, allowed to have gun in your car. And a shysty politician move is something like that. It's a bill will get put up and it will be labeled and it will be labeled the first point. Oh, water usage. Like we're going to read a little bit of that and find out, okay, it's a bunch of mumbo jumbo about how much water they're allowed to use. Um, I don't really know how much water they need because like I'm a civilian and they don't really give me that kind of information readily. You know, I could ask for it, but I might wait like three weeks. And by that time, like the bill will already have been signed. So 
I'm going to just trust them and say, yeah, sure. You can use your water. That's fine. And then, you know, I'm going to get pulled over later on and, you know, get cited for having a, a registered safe firearm in my vehicle. And, you know, something like that has, has been brought up at least once in an article that I read. Um, and it was just a matter of it had unrelated topics in the same bill. And the second topic was not mentioned in the title, nor was it advertised while people talked about it on the news. Um, the other issue is laziness. Um, when we ask the government to provide us more protection, they usually have stipulations. You know, if I, something simple like this, um, not even federal government wise, this is just local. If something horrible happens at a school, right? And it has, you know, we've seen examples where we're good on that. Um, something horrible happens at a school. And so everyone gets together, they're mad, they're angry, you know, everybody's got something to be sad about at this point, and so they want a solution. And, you know, they've already had metal detectors, and that's just for, you know, normal kid stuff. But what they're asking is for there to be armed police officers, you know, on premises all the time. And what really ends up irking me about this is the amount of interaction there is between those police officers and, you know, the kids and the teachers and such. If, if you have a security detail, they don't really need to mess with you unless you're leaving. Like they should just kind of keep the perimeter and make sure people are checked when they come in and out. That should kind of be it. But we have, we have officers, you know, walking through schools and that's one of these stipulations that they have. It's a, a constant patrol kind of thing. And that's not what we asked for. Like what we really wanted was everyone checked properly when coming in and out and for no one crazy to be able to get in in the middle of the day. Pretty much what we wanted from that. But because the same idea of reading a bunch of legal mumbo jumbo about exactly what we wanted you to do and then getting like, you know, towards the bottom and being like, all right, we kind of understand this. At the bottom, it usually has, and this is, you know, read your receipts kind of, kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> one of the places where they tell us that they have to do patrols, you know, they, at that point, they're operating as a military unit, especially when there's more than one, like they have particular tasks. They don't just check people. They have to go through and investigate all the time. And it's just an unhealthy thing to have in the school. And the reason we asked for it was, you know, because something horrible happened, but what we got was something almost equally as horrible. I mean, people who are, you know, going into schools aren't just going into schools with something dangerous. They're going into schools with something dangerous that they can fight police officers with also. Like you, you see the escalation of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's like you said, uh, when I was in high school, we had a resource officer that was always on, and rather than just doing what you had said, making sure everybody's coming, leaving safely, you know, really doing what they're supposed to do. They were there all day, every day. So at a certain point, they kind of just start fucking around and doing things that you really wouldn't think are a problem. Like they would bring drug dogs in like once a week to roam the school campus and the parking lot. And this was in uh, this was not even in a bad area because I lived in the city at this point, but. 
we had school choice where I lived, so my parents had decided to send me out to the suburbs to the better school, quote-unquote. So this wasn't even a bad area. They would just bring in drug dogs and all this other shit, and you know how drug dogs are notoriously unreliable because they're trained to give false hits if the police officer sees a car and they're like, oh, look at this sticker. This kid's clearly bad, so they'll tap the car, the drug dog will hit on it, and then they'll search it. It's There's... All sorts of corruption happening at every level. And like you said, we really just want the police to make sure that everybody's coming and leaving safely and just make sure things are safer. But even at that point, they fucked it up and they started doing all sorts of shit that we never asked for. Right. And that's the that that's them. Usually it usually ends up being both. One of them is just simply a, a stipulation. Um, it's just simply a, well, if we're going to do that, you're going to let us do this. And the other bit of it is that they truly have escalated the situation instead of like solving whatever outside source was, you know, happening, which outside sources can still be people that came from inside. I mean, if we're just talking about a, this wasn't the majority of the activity going on here. It's not like everyone here always has drugs on them. And that's why we brought a drug dog. Like one person had drugs on them. And so to make a point, to make, to, you know, show power, we're going to go in and basically strip everyone of any of their power. And that's a, I don't know, that's been a police thing for a while. They, they've been constantly taught to uh, take control of the situation instead of assess it. I mean, like the first thing that someone's supposed to, uh, there was, <laughs> YouTube video I was watching recently. I'll, uh, I'll send it to you after, you know, we get done talking. Um, there's this guy, he constantly tests the cops. Like one of the, one of the videos was um, labeled asking cops the same stupid questions they ask us. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And all right. So then you're, you're, you're familiar. I watched a bunch more of that guy's videos. Um, and it was, it was just amazing. This particular cop anyway, that once he realized what was going on, he knew he was being made fun of, but he also knew he was being made fun of in a very serious way. He was like, look, that yeah, this is funny. You came over here and you're kind of making me an ass. But on the other hand, you're making me an ass because y'all get made asses of all the time. You're like, this is something that cops do to you so often that you feel it necessary to do it back because technically we're allowed. Like, I could. Like that whole search he did with that guy's car, that's allowed. I could say I have suspicion and I can either call other police officers and tell them that I have suspicion or you can just let me look around. Like that whole not breach his vehicle, be like, yeah, that's fine because technically I have that same right. If you come to my car and you want to search it, dude, you need a warrant or a reason. Like you're going to have to call more people or bring me paperwork because I'm going to stay in here and you're going to stay out there. That's how that's supposed to work. But they'll find anything, just like, you know, you said with the drug dog, tap on your car, they'll make some kind of bark they're supposed to do, you know, and then they're like, yeah, dude, we found drugs. Look, they, they will make See my anything, <laughs> really, because I'm speaking from experience with that. I was a straight edge high school student. Uh, I never started fucking with all sorts of cool extracurriculars until after I graduated. But I was 18 at the time. I was a senior in high school. And I had parked my pickup truck in a 
section that wasn't even school property. It was just an abandoned parking lot near the school because I don't want to pay for the school's parking pass. So technically, I don't even think they had jurisdiction over that being a school officer, but they had a hit on my truck and uh, being straight edge, they searched it and they just completely ignored the whole drug thing. After they once once they start searching it, the drug thing's not a problem. It's what's in there right now that we can make a problem. And I had a pack of cigarettes mm-hmm. in there, and that suddenly became a huge issue. And they're like, you can't have these. I'm like, the fuck I can't. I'm 18. And, you know, like, pulled the ID. They're like, but you're at school. That's why they're in my truck. So they're going to make an mm-hmm. issue of anything they want to make an issue of. They tried to pretend it was on school property. It wasn't. They They tried to make just a big issue. And really, people say, well, the cops won't do this if you just go along with them and treat them with respect. And that's not true. I was going along with them. I gave them permission to search my truck because I knew I had nothing to hide. And I was being very respectful to them, but they were still trying to make issues where there weren't any. That was a, that was a, uh, a false or a, uh, just an illegal search and seizure. Yeah, it shouldn't have been done, but you know, honestly, I was like, yeah, whatever. Go ahead, search search my truck. I knew there was nothing in there. That's That was the worst thing they found was a pack of cigarettes, and they were all sorts of bent out of shape about that, and it's not even really a problem. But, you know, it's that's just – that's really kind of the power structures in this country is that it seems like even though they're supposed to have your best interests in mind, it seems like they don't usually, and they, they kind of go into situations like that trying to fuck you over. Well, it's what they get paid for. Exactly. That's what they get. It's what they get judged on when it's time for raises and rehires and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, oh, you're getting promoted. Well, you might want to bring those numbers up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, but honestly, like they, they have so much more important shit to focus on that they almost never do. Like I'm, I'm from Detroit. Detroit has a terrible reputation in this country and Frankly, the neighborhood I live in and the city that I live in, that reputation is definitely earned. It's incredibly violent and very dangerous. But I was downtown uh, about to ride on the People Mover, which is one of our public transit things. It's just an elevated train that goes around. And almost nobody uses it because it's pretty fucking useless, honestly. But I was riding it one day and I walked. There's a bunch of stalls you can walk through. There was nobody in there. I walked through the handicapped stall just because it's easier so i just walked through there there was nobody else around and a cop showed up out of nowhere and started telling me that he could arrest me for going through the handicap stall and that if he sees me do it again i'm gonna get arrested for it and i'm like dude this is detroit i think you have better shit to be doing than this and especially since you were roaming you it's not like you were messing with stuff you were just going through Exactly. And if I hadn't gone through the handicap stall, I still had to go through a stall. It would be different if there was hundreds and hundreds of people trying to board this, but the whole building was empty. I was the one person that was riding it. But again, that's that's what it's like with the power structures where really they seem to focus on the wrong shit. And I honestly don't know what the purpose of that is. Do you have any idea why they focus on shit like that instead of all the crime that's going on? in the inner city in neighborhoods such as mine? Um, I have a theory, not, not a full on idea. All right. Go um, for it. Some, some of these things 
um, just because I'm not a, I'm not a fairy tale thinker. Um, some people are bought. I mean, some of the things that are horrible that are going on in some cities, they've paid their dues or so to speak. Um, I mean, payoffs are not, you know, a thing of the past. People still get paid to shut up. People still get paid to, nah, you, you didn't really see this or change that time on that paper so that I don't get murder, you know, on my rap sheet later on, you know? I mean, like, I need an alibi and an alibi with a cop would work out really nice, you know? <clears throat> but that's that's one reason. Another is simply because... I mean, it almost ties back to earlier. Some of them just don't know enough. They're not, they're, not being, they're not being trained to be used the way we need them to. I mean, like, a, I would say the average cop is not going to see a massive cocaine drug deal and know what to do. He knows that's what it is. He looked at it. They looked at him. You know, they know he's a cop. He knows that they're definitely selling a lot of coke. And I'd say your average police officer probably wouldn't say anything. Or wouldn't say anything until it was too late. And I can't even blame them, if I'm being honest with you. Well, It's just a matter of the, the confidence level is not for being able to fight, you know, what's truly plaguing us. It's to fight us. Now, do you think that's another a- problem, though, it, with it, is that, uh, for example, in Detroit, if, if you're really going out patrolling the inner city, there's it, it becomes very dangerous for you as a police officer. So do you think that might be part of it, is that even though they're police officers, at the end of the day, they're really just people like us, and they're trying to avoid getting shot, uh, maybe, so they're, instead of going to dangerous areas, dealing with things that are clear issues they stick around the safer areas such as the downtown area and just fuck with people who aren't really doing anything i think that that's a lot easier it's a lot easier to do it that way whether they have good intentions behind it i think it's a lot easier to do it that way i mean i gotta say i don't know very many people with you know what i would say a healthy mind that are like yeah let me go down there and fuck with those people that i know have armor piercing rounds and their guns no idea why. I just know that they do. Let me go down there with just a flak jacket on and see if I can bust down their entire operation real quick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, know? there's got to be some sort of self-preservation at some point. Well, the thing is, is that there are people who are willing to do that. And those people are in the military. Because those people know that if they're willing to take that bullet, they know who they'd rather take it for. You know? It's just a matter of if they wanted that kind of life, that's where they went with it. They didn't want to be a cop. I mean, cops are... I I almost want to say that the way that cops have gotten, we almost need to be rid of them and just be allowed to handle things and still have somewhere to report to. Be like, look, if I shoot somebody down in the street, like I should report to someone about it. You know, I think that makes sense. I mean, yeah. It's... You know, I think that if, there, that if there are witnesses, like, they should come with me when I go to report it. I mean... You know, it should be a, hey, uh, you know, a dude got murdered. We need to go explain ourselves. Like, like really, they're they're here to technically serve us, kind of along the lines of the fire department. And I saw something that was, uh, I think, a very good point uh, of probably a year or two ago. 
Um, if they're here to serve us like the fire department is, right, we call up the fire department when we need help or they get dispatched by somebody else that says, hey, there's a fire. They come help us. Nobody makes songs called Fuck the Fire Department. But they do make songs called Fuck the Police because, like you said, if, if I shot somebody or if I got shot at or something, you you still need somebody that you'd be able to call that could help you. But they're also out there watching you when you drive and they'll pull you over if they just think you look suspicious or they're just they're roaming around looking for problems it'd be like if the fire department came up to your house lit it on fire put it out and then said cool you owe us 20 grand because we saved your house right and i i mean i I definitely see that um i think that i think there I, i think there should be like a disconnect like i've seen a lot of countries that end up like actually having, you know, almost military people as their police officers. And that's because they barely get involved in anything. Like they really just don't get involved unless they think that, you know, they could be creating enough force to hurt them. I mean, like if you're not making enough force to scare me, then, you know, I don't really need to mess with you. You know, like I've got a, I've got an automatic machine gun on my chest. And if you're not scaring me at all, then you're good. You're fine. You know, and they just walk around and make sure people aren't stealing stuff, murdering people. You know, oh, y'all want to get in a fight? Fine. If somebody gets close to dying, y'all should probably stop, you know. But if all we need is an ambulance, like, we can call an ambulance. But we don't need to get involved unless there's force needed. And a good majority of the time, force isn't needed for very much. And since everyone in the area knows that that's the disconnect, then the people in the area are the ones that are going to stop it. Like, hey, man, you don't want the guy with the automatic machine gun on his chest to come over here, right? <laughs> yeah, no like, shit. And it's, it's, not a, it's not a be afraid of him. It's just a matter of, like, he has a job to do, and we really don't want to be his job. Like, we just don't. I don't want to be his job today. That's you know, and I don't, fucking perfect. I don't think I could have said that any better myself. I mean, and that's not, that shouldn't be a fear thing. Like, I'm not afraid of police. Now, I'll admit I'm, you know, a 24-year-old white guy, so I'm not going to lie to you. That comes with benefits. But I also can't say that there haven't been situations where I've been scared of the police, you know? But on a general aspect, like, I'm not scared of them. As long as I know my initial rights, which are basically my Miranda rights and the Ten Commandments, then I'm pretty much safe. Well, the I mean, like is, for the most, like, go ahead. like you just said, uh, being a white guy that has its benefits, it's you cannot, you definitely can't argue that the police do not racially profile. And for any white person that would suspect and say, no, they don't racially profile, it's just black people break the law more or whatever argument they want to make. Uh, I live in, I mean, I keep saying this shit. I live in Detroit. It's a majority black city. In my neighborhood, I'm one of only two white people out of like 13,000 people that live there and they racially profile me. They'll see me walking at night trying to get back to my apartment or something. They'll come up to me and say, so uh, where are you heading tonight? Like then just do the, the stereotypical thing that they do to a lot of African Americans. And that's because not to say that they're wrong, but they're racially profiling. They're seeing a white kid in a black neighborhood. That's incredibly violent and known for drugs So they automatically think I'm coming there to get drugs from the suburbs. So they're automatically racially profiling me and trying to start something. 
it's the same thing as if you go to a white neighborhood where there's no black people, but you see a black person walking around at night and say they do live there, but the police are going to go up and start shit with them. And unfortunately, that is a much more common scenario than the white kid getting bothered in a black neighborhood, because that's that's an uncommon thing with the majority of the country being white when you get out to rural areas and where there to be a black person just that lives there. You know, it's it's very easy for them to become a victim because they get racially profiled. And of course, they're going to get pissed off because it pissed me off when they were doing that to me. You know what I mean? No, I definitely get it. And I like I, I feel like some of that is simply like sore thumb kind of scenario. Just um, I mean, like just the, the way that you the way that you described it makes it makes it sound a little bit more like it was just the person who was sticking out the most. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, a literal Mexican, you know, walking around in Japan would probably throw up the same kind of red flags. Um, but I think, I think as far as far as the, the, the profiling thing, um, a good majority of that comes from how easy would it be to arrest you right now? And it would be really easy to, and I mean, like, at least in your scenario, walking around in Detroit, um, I, I would almost say if they were brand new and had any, you know, good thoughts for you in the first place, they would have asked you if you needed help. I, I uh, one of my friends uh, told me that he was approached in a predominantly black neighborhood by a white cop and he was a white guy. Um, and he was asked if he needed help and if he was lost. I was like, no, I'm good. I got friends down here. And he was like out here. You know, the, the, the surprise kind of thing. Like, no, no, you can't have friends out here. And I, I, I think that same kind of scenario would happen otherwise. You know, it's, it's just a matter of profiling obviously has its extremes. But I don't, I don't think that that one is necessarily any more important than how people make it important. I mean, we can't not talk about it. I'm sure, I'm sure of that. But... I mean, the more, the more often that I find, you know, people being, you know, almost made famous for, you know, having those interactions, it really just ends up making people hate them even more. And I mean, it just kind of, it reciprocates it. It just, it just makes everybody hate each other more. And do you think that's a psyop by the government to get us all to hate each other so that we can't cooperate and band together and take them down? on multiple levels like not just on that i mean that was that was a thing with um advance i don't think advance and dare were put there on accident i think that advance and dare were very badly shrouded classes about drugs not classes about how you shouldn't do drugs because i can't tell you how much of my initial knowledge actually came from just being in those two classes. I mean, I knew things about drugs then that I just never learned again because it, like even being in the drug world a little bit for a while, um, it, like, it wasn't even important there. <laughs> I mean, like they were talking about drugs that people just didn't do like that. I mean, they were over here like in the uh, advanced program. They plain old taught me what uh what some of the drugs were made of like oh this is how they make them like i don't think i need to know that to be honest with you 
Yeah, it's wildly <laughs> unimportant. It does not serve to further the goal anymore. It- well, I mean, there's a difference between showing me a drug, showing me what's used to do it. Like, you don't even have to show me, like, smoke it, shoot it. Like, you don't have to show all that. It just has to be, this is how we, this is what we use to do the drug. And then this is what people look like two weeks after doing the drug. Like, those are really all then all the info I need. This is what it looks like. This is what it's called. This is why some people end up liking it. This is how they do it. And this is what they look like two weeks afterwards. And a good majority of those photos did me plenty. I didn't need weeks more of learning about these drugs and, you know, the effects that they have on people. They're like, some of those sounded pretty fun. And I'm like, I'm not joking. They sounded fun then. Yeah. <clears throat> Legitimately, it's, it doesn't take much. For example, you just walk outside, walk to the corner store, and you see a crackhead out there acting like a crackhead does. That's about all I need to say I don't ever want to do crack in my entire life. It, it was pretty sufficient for me also. I mean, I live in an area right now uh, that their popular drug is meth. And I don't think there's a single kid out here looking at those people on their way to school thinking, what's that guy doing? I think I want some of that. Because <laughs> yeah, <no> <laughs> like stripping your clothes off and running back and forth in front of moving vehicles doesn't really sound like a good time. You know, running into a fence over and over and over again and then yelling at something other than the fence and then going back to running into the fence again. That doesn't sound like a fun time. And I mean, even kids would look at that and say, hmm, not such a good idea. You know, and as graphic as it was at the time, you know, eating someone's face. Like, there aren't very many kids that I've seen that have gotten blood in their mouth and were excited about it. You know, I've seen somebody get bit too hard and they were like, oh, what is that? I mean, like, that's salt and blood. And they were like, ew. You know, nobody likes that. So if I showed you this guy getting his face ate off by someone doing whatever the hell that drug was, I'm pretty sure they're good. They don't want that anymore, even if they did before. Like, that's settled. That's a done deal. They are already fully unenthused. Like, now all we have to show them is candy, and we're, we're set for the rest of the day. That I agree now, but with that <clears throat> said, how do you personally think that somebody who could see the people who are affected this way by drugs, how do you think that person would even ever get into using drugs in the first place? Mm, uh, close association, um, familiarity, and uh, force, to be honest. Yeah. Like either it was someone close it was someone close to them, which is the close association thing. Um, and the, uh, the knowledge portion, just the being aware, I mean, if someone mentioned something next to me and I would like had any interest in it, I might keep listening, you know, like, Oh, blah, blah. We brought marijuana down to blah, blah, blah. And like, Hey, that sounds like one of those not so bad drugs. Let me, let me keep listening to this. And, Oh, we went to the movies and hung out with girls and smoked more marijuana all right, so there's our one our one scenario. You can kind of see where where I'm, you know, got pros and cons at. And then you know I hear a conversation going on, and hey, you want to buy some more meth? <laughs> I 
And like that doesn't that we're already off to a bad start. Like you're whispering really loud. <laughs> yeah. You're not giving like, me we're, the warm we're, fuzzies. Right. So we're just you're starting off bad. You you get my point where I'm going with it. Those those are two very different scenarios. And I mean very obviously good and bad kind of scenarios. And I didn't need to be taught what meth was made of to be able to make that choice. Yeah, but uh, now now here's a question I have for you. As far as drugs go, I don't know what your personal opinion is. Uh, how do you feel about drugs such as, well, quote unquote drugs, uh, marijuana, uh, mushrooms, DMT, acid, basically your uh, – the things that when you are on them, you hallucinate, you trip, or in Weed's case, people think it's a medicinal, helpful thing. What What are your feelings about the softer kind of drugs as far as those? Well, I do know a bit about hallucinogens, and um, that's kind of up to you on how much you want to know about that. Um, but I'm definitely a huge fan of marijuana or cannabis weed whatever you want to call it but um definitely a huge fan um both personally and for other people i agree um i'm also actually a pretty big fan of hallucinogens in general uh i don't i don't know if you've ever done them but i when whenever i use any kind of drugs it's not uh it's not for the sake of getting fucked up i think that if you use drugs correctly and uh, I don't want to sound like fucking Joe Rogan on this, but you can use them spiritually to like open your mind. You can learn a lot of shit about yourself. You can see the world in a whole different way. I think after like my first time of doing shrooms or my first time of doing DMT ever, you just never really look at things the same again. It's just it changes your entire perspective on the world. Do you have any can you relate on that? And just like that, like clockwork, somehow I ask him about psychedelics and how I think they might be banned. And this is where the technical problems got the best of us and completely collapsed the rest of the episode, where it's almost inaudible completely. Which is very strange, because I was going back to edit this section and uh, try to edit it for content, because we both got severely sidetracked here. But it was completely way more fucked up than anything else in the episode when we were talking about psychedelics changing your whole mind view and whatever and where I was lecturing him about how awesome drugs are. So that would mark the end of this podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. And of course, as always, if you learned one thing, which you might have from him, but definitely not from me, go run, tell your friends, family, pets, tell the son, tell anything that you want to tell. And, of course, everybody will leave you. Your family will never talk to you again. You'll have to live the rest of your life in a cardboard box, and you'll never get laid again. But trust me, that is the price to pay for being so woke. So, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again soon.